It's on. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight is a special night. We are currently in the um, process of editing the episode for you, but we'll get this out. But currently, guys, welcome to episode number 76 of The Covert Show. And guys, this is a familiar face that everybody has seen time and time again if you're fans of us. I've got a whiskey sitting next to me here, or a bourbon, I should say. If you guys are looking for a new bourbon, try some Angel's Envy. It's not a plug. It's just a new bourbon that I got to try um, from my parents for Christmas. It is fantastic, absolutely superb. Throw a splash of water in it just to open it up. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 76 of The Covert Show is probably everybody's favorite, mainly, if you think about it. We are currently... At the end of the year, so this is an entire compilation of the end of the year, and this is Nick doing it all at the moment here. We might get an intro from JC, we will see, but guys, this is the whole end of the year compilation, the best of the Covert Show of 2023, and we are so excited to bring it to you as always, and we are so excited that you guys have been joining us throughout the year, so excited that you guys have been just with us, if you've been through all three seasons of The Covert Show, if you guys have been with us from the very beginning, we thank you guys so much for doing so, and we thank you guys that are just joining us, following us along for the ride. It's been so much fun bringing this to you guys, because, I mean, it's been one of those things of we keep doing the podcast just because we enjoy doing it as a team, and we enjoy doing it as friends, and it's just, it's fun. So, we know that you guys are kind of... Here to see us banter a little bit, or go down a rabbit hole, I should say. Banter is not even the right word. Sometimes we get into it a little bit, depending on the subject. But we are here bringing this to you guys. Hopefully you guys are having a happy New Year's. Hopefully you guys are going to have a happy New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, whenever this comes out. But thank you for a 2023. Thank you guys for keeping up with us. And without further ado, we will kick off... The Covert Show, episode number 76, best of. And ladies and gentlemen, cheers to 2024. It's on. Oh, no. No, it's not. There it is. No, maybe. Wow. Folks, we we screwed up, but it is on. And welcome to another episode of The Covert Show. I do not have my cell phone. I just realized that. So, but ladies and gentlemen, sorry, welcome to another episode of The Covert Show. We are back on for another week. JC is feeling a little under the weather, so Nick is rolling solo again. We posted a video on the Instagram, and it was a, a weird, weird challenge. So, um, my roommate Lucy decided that she found a TikTok that she wanted to try, and the trend was eating Oreos with mustard topped on it. Now... I don't know where this came from. I believe she said some pregnant lady that she saw on TikTok had this trend. And she she was like, well, we're going to try it. And so she tried it. And so, you know, we were skeptical at first. And so basically what happened was she tried it, we filmed it, and I put it on Instagram and I said, if you want to see us do it, or me, it'll take 25 likes. Well, lo and behold, you guys held strong at 13, and I was like, yes, I'm not going to have to do it. Well, too late. It's at 43 now, so it's getting a lot of views on the good old Instagram. So today we have a special treat for you. (sighs) We got a bottle of mustard. And we have Oreos. Now, full discretion, 
if you guys want to try it, try it. I'm not a, oh, I'm not a mustard fan. This looks, I'm, I got a glob it. I, oh, gosh. All right. Well, I'm not a mustard fan, but we will see how this goes. Bon appetit. No freaking way. <laughs> nope. No way. Full disclosure, it is awful. Do not try it. Oh, no. Uh-oh. No, sir. Not for Nick. Definitely, definitely not for, for Nick. Oh, that is weird. It's like tangy. Oh. No, I give that like maybe a 4 out of 10. It wasn't horrible, but I just don't like it. I'm not a mustard guy at all. I don't like it. That's not good. No bueno for Nick. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, no bueno. All right. Well, there's the there's the opening, and I should have probably waited till the end of the show to do this, but I thought I would give you guys some entertainment. And for those of you who are wondering... The chocolate is still there, like the Oreo cookie is still there, and then all of a sudden you get a little bit of a taste of mustard when you first put the cookie, like, in your mouth. You start chewing it around a little bit. Sorry, weird, but it gets tangy. Uh Uh-uh. Nick is not a fan. If you guys haven't figured this out yet, I'm a dude who likes slasher horrors. I'm not one of the biggest fans of, like, possession horrors. That one kind of freaks me out just a little bit. Just seems almost more real. And how are you supposed to beat a ghost? Like, what am I supposed to do? I can give the sign of the cross on it. I can get somebody to come in and just exorcism the whole house. But, I mean, holy shit, guys. I'm not the biggest with that because that's freaky as hell. I don't want to be sitting floating in my bed or having somebody I know start floating from the ground or just go all demon exorcism on me. And I'm just like, or exorcism on me. I'm just like, (laughs) please help me. So, with that. A lot of great movies coming out, or a lot of great movies still planning on coming out as well. Um, Ant-Man into the quantum, or into the quantum realm. Um, that one should be really, really good. All the trailers to that seem great. Um, they're bringing in Kane the Conqueror, which is awesome. If you haven't seen the Mar- or if you haven't done a lot with the Marvel comics, Kane is one of the Celestials in the Marvel comics. Controls a lot of the universe, um, mainly found in the quantum realm now, and so they're bringing him in as well, and it's a great cast in Ant-Man, usually Cincinnati goes to Buffalo. The Bengals looking to try to knock off Josh Allen once again. And here's where I got here's where I gotta say, I think they can do it. I don't think Cincinnati played their best, but in last week's game, but I think they played a hell of a lot better than Buffalo did. And this is gonna be the big standard. <clears throat> this is the first time these teams meet again since the DeMar Hamlin incident, which you cannot give Higgins anything. You can't you can't blame it on Higgins. It was a clean hit. It just happened at the wrong time. So with that, Bills are going to be playing with a big chip on their shoulder. It's true. They are going to be playing huge. But if I have to pick a team 
I got to run with the Bengals. I do. Just kidding. Scratch that. That's a Lee Corso moment. I still think that the Bills are going to come out. I think that Joe Burrow needs one more year in the NFL playoffs to kind of make his make his run. I'm still very confident in the Bills. The only thing is I'm not confident in their offense. But I think that with this game kind of coming through, I think that Josh Allen, this offense, is going to get rolling. I think that they're going to be playing with a fire lit under their ass. And so I think kind of as you're moving on, I got to take the Bills and the Bills will play the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. It's on. Oh, man. Yes, sir. We got it going on today. Cracking a cold bush latte with the boys on a Friday junior when we're recording this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 52 of the Covert Show. In case you guys were here last week, Nick had a big-ass debacle of what episode is it? My phone is currently not in my person today we have the episode correct we have the phone on person and you know what we also got another person on person as well jc back on joining us after his hiatus of illness i will say it was a rough rough couple of weeks there i don't even want to get into the deets i uh cracked my ice cold bush latte before we got started so you know he he was ready in there but hey Good Lord. I've, I've you know got... what's funny is if last night the audio would have worked, it would have been NHL 2013. Ooh. All right, so that so that begs the question For here. the Xbox 360. Ooh, throwing it back to the, the real right, good Kat, old days. Cat gets tossed. She didn't get tossed. She fell off. Oh, she, she, she jumped off? She on my lap and she... Well, she's a bigger cat, and she's trying to sit on my lap and trying to get my attention while I'm doing multiple things. Chunky and, monkey. You know, one thing leads to another, and she fell on. Oh. Now she's over over in the corner underneath a drum set doing what cats do. There's so much whining and complaining about the standings. The only team that game not being played screwed was Buffalo. Yes. Because Buffalo, by all rights, should have been the top seed. Because they beat and Kansas granted, City outright play last in the season. Week. Because they beat Kansas City outright and whatever. But, you know, I don't disagree with canceling the game. But, you know, you look at it, that game and everybody wants to whine and complain about it. And, you know, I don't agree with the NFL on 95% of what they've done. They've done a lot of things that make it go, okay. But, you know, the way they handle, once they, you know, cut their head out of their ass and canceled the game like they should have. The way they handled it, just being clear and concise and saying, here's what we're doing. Yeah. Was the best they had. Because you knew no matter what was said, somebody was going to be mad. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and you look at Baltimore and Cincinnati, they could have had a coin toss to who was hosting that playoff game. Yeah. Which is nuts when you think about it. You play that full slate, you know, for Cincinnati minus a game. But you play a full slate that comes down to a coin toss. That's nuts. You know, Bengals fans were all pissed about that and how the, you know, the way they did the playoffs screwed Cincinnati. Well, <laughs> there's only so much you can do with how that played out, you know. Oh yeah. In the end, Cincinnati's getting the last laugh because you know they beat the team that, uh, you know, was going had their bags packed for a neutral site game in Atlanta and. Now they're playing an arrowhead. But we tried as best as possible to fill out like the 
um, NCAA regional tournament supers and whatnot. And we just kept, like, making picks. We didn't officially fill out a bracket, which I think one year I might actually just do and see how it goes. This is the year. Yeah, because seriously, you can do double elimination games in that. So, I mean, you're really riding an emotional roller coaster. I mean, I don't sports bet at all. Like, I, I, I do not That's sports bet. That's a good bet. thing. <laughs> I know. So, sports I might. Sports betting is the, oh, like, dude. shifty, dangerous little brother of, like, you know, sports you know, like if we're if you and I like when the Panthers and Devils play, like it's one thing to be like, you know, hey, you know, the Devils are a better team and they're gonna beat you. Yeah. But you know, sports. I've done some sports betting. You know, nothing that's like you know huge drains the bank account substantially. <laughs> but everything you think you know, you don't. <laughs> no, it's because I was trying to do it with football, and you know, you try to parlay all this stuff together, and I don't know. I don't. I I I know by watching other people do it, there's a whole like you sit down and you analyze it and you run it through computer programs and all that. And I don't know, man. That's a it's a, a lot of money to throw at something that you better be damn sure you're right. <laughs> it's as aggravating as it gets. Sports, sports just, if you're going to bet on it or you're going to take the time to fill out a bracket and actually try to just, like, sit and, like, be invested, sometimes it gets a little stressful. Here's the thing. In sports betting, don't bet on games you're emotionally attached to. True. Like, for me, I would never bet. Well, I can't say I'd never bet. But you shouldn't bet, if you're me, on Toronto or New Jersey. Because you're so delusional, and it's any team. Like, you with the Cubs, or you with the, uh, well, not with Nebraska. That's probably a bad example, because you'd never bet on them, because you're smarter than that. Oh, yeah, But 100%. you're emotionally attached to these teams, so you have uh, a, a delusion that they're going to win every single time. So that's why March Madness is a, is a dangerous game to play. Yeah. Just, but a fun, dangerous game to play. Yeah, like you said, betting on betting on your own favorite teams is always just it's it's not good because like my, my well, buddy, one of the things they tell you, like they've had different like PSAs or whatever, and they say you know don't gamble with money and need like don't put the the mortgage payment on the Denver Broncos to win the Super Bowl. Boy, how do you, you know, if I like, did that? Oh Lord. <laughs> If it don't paid, put the rent che- don't if, put the rent check on the Denver Broncos to win a game. If it, wow, shit. Any single game during the year, just oh, pick dude. a game. Yeah, when no. they're playing the Raiders, don't put the rent check on them to beat the Raiders. Yeah, give me a Derek thousand dollars. How do you guys feel about the baseball pitch clock and the batter clock? Because not gonna lie, I'm not really a fan of it. There was a tweet that I saw today where Vanderbilt and Evansville got went into the 17th inning and they were tied at one. And I tweeted out, I said, all the baseball fans that have been crying about time limits right now are just sad. We love free baseball. And I'll tell you this, yes, the game of baseball can last a while. The game of baseball takes some time. It's strategy-based. There's a lot of pitching changes and everything. But guys, you're looking to try to speed up a game that is... It's designed to be somewhat slow. It's not designed to be as quick as hell. Now, the NCAA is also releasing a rule to try to limit the breaks of foot in football. You can't take consecutive timeouts. 
That's that's a rule. You cannot take consecutive timeouts. And here, I'll even find the tweet for you, because I'm gonna. I'm hold on here. My cousin is just not good, and I don't know what this one's doing. All right, I'll look for the tweet really fast because I found it. And actually, I had the tweet shared. So we'll do this here. We'll do my tweets because I only have a couple. All right, so so far, according to On3, the NCAA Rules Committee has announced major changes to speed up the game of football. No consecutive timeouts. No untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarter, which when have those ever really, really been a thing? Like, how many times has that really happened in football? Running clock is now after first downs, or after first down conversion, except within two minutes of the half. So you're basically now fighting a constant running clock. Guys, this is not... I understand that you have to adapt to be good at the game of coaching and coaching the game that you want to be, but this is seriously too much. You guys are talking about trying to speed up games when you guys aren't looking at how many different companies are spending millions of dollars to to drown our TVs with advertisement. Really. We're speeding up the game so that you can waste more money on advertisement because the NCAA doesn't make enough money as it is. Really. That's what we're doing now? We're going to make sports a big-ass marketing campaign so that players are now getting NIL deals, which they should. Players should be getting NIL deals because they they don't have ways to make money if you're a student-athlete. And everybody could argue, well, they could go to work. It's like, dude, if you look at a D1 student-athlete schedule or even a D3 NAIA, we don't have time to practice. I didn't have time to go, or we didn't have time to go get a job. Playing ring around the rosy here. Wow, I'm getting beat down, but I'm still probably going to win because they can't kill with the ballistic knives. Also, what was your most underrated weapon in Call of Duties? Because I'll tell you right now, or like, what was your best weird gun? I'll tell you right now, the weirdest gun that I was just insane with had to be the ballistic knives. I, I'm, I kid you not, it had to be the ballistic knives. I was so good with those things, it was weird. Like, in Black Ops 2 when they first came out, and I kind of figured out how to use them. I just thoroughly enjoyed them and just played the shit out of them. Like, seriously, I had a ballistic knives only class and would run around and like hijacked and nuke town and just go to town. There was one game where I ran on uh, standoff. If anybody remembers that Black Ops 2 map where it was strictly just, oh man, I got trying to late. Oh no, he's got a knife. But I was strictly that guy that would just kind of run around and, and just ballistic knife. Oh no. I died. My cousins beat me with the ballistic knives. That's kind of bad. You go into the Force Awakens. I'm going to say spoiler alert, but you know I'm going to hate it. You go into the Force Awakens. Instead of Obi-Wan Kenobi dying, Han Solo dies. And who does he die to? His son, Kylo Ren. Who does Obi-Wan die to? Basically, his son, Anakin Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Vader. What? Tell me it's not true. After trying to teach a new young Jedi... In the form of Ray Skywalker. What? Plot explodes. In the second one, it's basically they're trying to blow up the Death Star again, which is the big ass Imperial ship, and they're trying to kill er, Chancellor Snoke. All right, so they're trying to kill Palpatine, Invader again, blow up the Death Star. Boom. Throw it into um, Empire. And then in Return of the Jedi, it's basically the rise of Skywalker. 
it is it, I it truly like if you sit down and look at all these movies, they're all the same. I'm I'm gonna go with the NFL is not rigged. I don't know how how that can be seen. I don't know where you can get that from. The NFL is truly not rigged. It's just not. Shit happens. Guys lose games. You're gonna throw an interception, and this is the biggest thing that everybody might argue. How does the Atlanta or how do the Atlanta Falcons blow a 28 to three lead over the the Patriots in the Super Bowl? One, I'm gonna tell you that Tom Brady is good, and you can't mess with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady together. That's just not how that flies. Two, you can make a defensive switch. You can switch your scheme instead of going out blitzes. You can switch your coverage. Instead of offense playing passive, you could play really aggressive, and it could work. I'll tell you right now, as a Nebraska fan, there is nothing that kills me more than watching a team flip a script, and that is Iowa. Iowa has murdered us on multiple occasions of flipping a script at halftime when we've been kicking the crap out of them. Or all of a sudden, we flip a script and we come back on them, but then we lose. Kansas hasn't been there a few times. I Recently, I don't remember the last time that Kansas wasn't there. Kentucky has had a lot of off years in the last couple of seasons. Duke, everybody was thinking that Duke was going to be out this year, and then all of a sudden, here comes Duke and just karate chopping. And this is the best part. This is the first time that a preseason AP poll number one team has not made the NCAA tournament. Think about that for a second and really... Really wonder. That's a fall from heaven, buddy. <laughs> really wonder where North Carolina's high standard it was held to, and realize how far they fell, and then realize just inch by inch by inch by inch, and then the six foot grave that they dug when they said they weren't going to the NIT. That's what they did. Oh my gosh, I, I saw that. I got so heated, bro. Yeah, I mean it's gonna, you know, their fans <sighs> probably don't mind it necessarily, but. You know, for someone like us that, you know, neither one of us is huge ACC. Yeah. It loses you a lot of respect that was probably there before. About pitchers trying to be in their defense. It's like, dude, that is the last person's defense you need to be in because they fucked up. If if the pitcher strikes him out and he does a a double fist pump and, and is jacked up, we don't have a problem with that. Nope. Not once have I seen... Oh, that other than the Joe Kelly thing, which, which I was here for one thousand awesome. percent. By the way, I loved, loved it a hundred percent. That the whole, but lip curl, see Springer. You rarely see a pitcher get somebody butt hurt about the fact that they celebrated, made a face, said whatever to a batter they just struck out, and rarely in a big moment. So too. how is that any? How is that any different than the the guy hitting the bomb? It's, it's not. not. There's no difference there. Well, and and like I said, the biggest argument there is somebody saying, "Well, and here here's where I'll play devil's advocate because this this point does need to get interjected a little bit." As a pitcher, you may say you throw a slider and it literally breaks from behind the dude's ass. The hitter's literally behind the hitter's back hip cuts all the way on the inside. Somehow this dude decides to swing and put all barrel on it. If he, or it's a high fastball, the guy tomahawks it. It's a low outside slider. He gets barrel, goes opposite field. If you make a pitcher's pitch that is so hard for the hitter to hit that he does put it out and just makes a good swing, good timing, and bat flips, it's like, dude, 
tip your hat to him. You made a great pitch. He just fucking yeah. lit it up, and he was ready. He was ready for what pitch you were going to throw. He got yeah. the spot right. But if you leave a yep. cock shot fastball going ninety four down the middle of a plate to a dude who can hit it four hundred and eighty five feet, and he does hit it four hundred and eighty five feet, and just decides to say screw you and yeet his bat, no matter what moment it is, dude, you gotta live with it because you left a cock shot down the dick. Pirates are hopefully trying to wave the Jolly Roger a little bit more this year. Otherwise, the last game that I didn't get to because JC started off the MLB segment with it. I'm going to end the MLB scores, at least, because we'll still probably talk about the MLB. The Cubbies start off with a one-win opening day once again. And I'm stupid. I'm not wearing any Cubs gear today right now. I just... Dude, I just realized that. What is happening? Dude, I don't... Where do I have a – I don't think – oh, no, my Cubs hat's in my bedroom. Oh. Oh, that's tough. But the Cubs get a 4 nothing win over the Brew Crew, so – and they still have the weekend series. Dansby Swanson gets his first hit as a Cubby. Marcus Stroman <laughs> got the win on the mound, and they beat Corbin Burns, which a that's former a former Blue Jay yeah. and Marcus Stroman, mind you. Yes. And so the Cubs are starting off good. They still got a long weekend ahead of them. They still got a long season. The Blue Jays still have a long season and a long weekend ahead of them. So we're going to circle back to that. Jimmy okay. Garcia gets the win. Jordan Romano gets the save. Jordan Romano is the only person out of the pen today for either side that looked good, by the way. George Springer, five for six. Holy crap. Five hits, four runs. Bo Bichette, four for six. Both good had an RBI. Lord. Guerrero, two for four, got hit by a pitch with three RBIs. Varsho has his first career hit, a couple of RBIs as well. Here, you know, you look at the pitchers. Manoa, Pop, Swanson, Meza, Bass, Simber, Garcia, and Romano. Count it up, that's eight. Jeez. Cardinals, wait wait for it. Cardinals, the guy can never pronounce his name right, Michaelis, Michaelis, whatever, Thompson, Verhagen, Palante, Hicks, Helsley, easy for me to say. Six, 14 combined pitchers, uh, 34 hits, and 19 runs. Holy crap. That is insane for an opening day game. And And you handcuff the coach because of your refusal to talk to him. There's only so much you can do. Yeah, and... Like I said, I I get the competitiveness and everything like that, but at some point, where do we got to draw the line? And then it all falls down to, okay, where are we really going to draw the line when it comes to what's acceptable trash talk or not? And here's the other thing that I want to talk about with that is now. And for those of you that are getting all excited of a deep dive, don't because <laughs> we're not getting very deep on this one. It's not happening because we all know exactly where everybody's it's already thinking. Marred, yeah, I was gonna say it's already marred with controversy and everybody's already ironed it out on oh, this yeah. Wednesday. And we don't we don't want to get canceled. We don't want to get hit with anything. Like we're just here to talk. That's all we're gonna do. So we're gonna talk about it because we both set our stances on it. And I, I'll say I'll say part of mine here, it wasn't right. I get taunting in sports. I get the fact that you need to kind of be a dick on the court and on the field wherever you play. Like I get it. You're competitive. Go for it. At the end of the game, 
when, I'm going to say it, you only scored 12 points and the person you're taunting scored more than a football team did in an entire season, <laughs> scored almost 200 I points. I you were going to bring that up at some point. Oh, yeah. I'm going to bring it up because I ain't letting you're this sit. You're loving to hate Iowa football. Just, oh. You couldn't contain yourself, could you? <laughs> oh, no. I wasn't saying the, to hate Iowa football. That I'm just saying. Amazing, that oh, is yeah. an amazing stat when you think about it. It is thoroughly One impressive. Women's basketball player averages more in a season than your football team does. Yes. Oakland as a team, when they played the Moneyball movement, it was great. Everything else out of that, Oakland has not been good for years. They made a wild card appearance against the Royals. Otherwise, Oakland has not been relevant. So you can move them to Nashville. You can move them wherever you want. Oakland is just not relevant when it comes to that. And I can't lay off an Otani slider to save my life. But those are the two biggest statements I would have when it comes to a realignment is move Kansas City over to a Midwest division. You move the Padres over to a West, and then you realign from there. It is on. There we go. We got the good old crispy can openings for the good old covert show. Two cans this time. Two. Count them. Two cans. And also, we got three. Count them. Three hosts for the day. Because we're going to welcome back for episode number 60, keep in mind. So we're making some landmarks through the day. We got good old RC back on the show with good old Nick and JC. So... We have a lot going on at the moment. Currently, both of us are going through some massive-ass thunderstorms where you may hear the thunder from somebody's window. Two, we got JC sitting at RC's apartment playing some NHL, and RC in the background for number three yeah. is going nuts over the uh, or the Minnesota Wild-Dallas Stars game and the Kings and the Oilers. It's on... Oh, yeah, we are back. And by we, I mean me. It's JC. We're going solo on this Tuesday. And uh, <clears throat> Frozen Frenzy Tuesday. We have the recap of everything here for episode number 71 of uh, the Covert Show. As we get this uh, look around the league, we'll talk about all 16 games here in this one, including my New Jersey Devils, who, spoiler alert, picked up the win RC's good old Golden Knights who came back and picked up a W. Uh, we'll also talk about good old uh, Florida as well as uh, the Florida Panthers were in action in uh, the uh, Frozen Frenzy. And without further ado, we jump into game one. It was the Maple Leafs getting the better of the Capitals despite the Capitals shooting on goal twice as much as the Maple Leafs. 38-17 shots on goal differential there, not even particularly close. We looked a little bit more in depth at this game. You look at shots on goal, 38-17. Maple Leafs got out of the first period with a one to nothing lead as Riley was able to get it across time of that goal on a power play goal nonetheless, 12-53. Second period is where uh, the Maple Leafs really put the game away. They were able to get a Tavares goal on a tip-in, a Nylander goal, 
And then an Austin Matthews goal on a power play shot made it 4-0. Alex Ovechkin would get his first of the year on the power play with 11 seconds left in that second period. That would be the remainder of the scoring. Toronto's goalie would get the first star, saving all but one. Austin Matthews, the second star, with a goal and an assist. And Alexander Ovechkin would get the third star, scoring a goal. Stat lines for this one. It was an interesting first period. The Maple Leafs get outshot 17-5, but still remained on top one nothing. Got outshot every single period, including the third period, where they only got three shots on goal. Didn't wind up mattering. Uh, penalties were pretty even amongst the team. Toronto had four penalties called, and uh, Capitals had three, including a delay of game hooking and abuse of officials. And a penalties that were called against the Maple Leafs, hooking, holding, uh, hooking again on a breakaway, got a penalty shot rather than a penalty, and tripping was called in that game. As uh, you look at the box score a little bit closer, power plays, two up three for Toronto, one up three for Washington, uh, penalty minutes for both six hits 13 10 in favor of the Capitals blocks 14 13 in favor of the Caps as well like I said they took control shooting wise at least 38 17 Maple Leafs get the win in that one four to one the final score there looking elsewhere the second game that was concluded was the Buffalo Sabres another team that was outshot knocking off the Senators Buffalo got outshot 38-24. It didn't end up making a difference. Scorers in that one. Skinner in the first off a snapshot. A tip in from Grigginson's. Grigginson's, easy for me to say. 2-0 Buffalo after one uh, in that first period, getting outshot 10-8, similar to the Toronto matchup. Uh, and then in the second, Skinner, it would be a goal from uh, the... Uh, Senators in there as well. Buffalo would get two back, including Thompson, uh, who picked up his second. Tarasenko, Norris, and Joseph would get it back within one. Thompson would get his second uh, shorthanded goal. As uh, that one, in all likelihood, an empty netter, as there was only 23 seconds left. Shots on goal, not as d- widely uh, spread as the Toronto game. in the second. Buffalo favored that. 19-6. Ottawa played a great third period. Just kind of ran out of time. Uh, There were uh, several penalties in this. We'll talk about that uh, head-to-head stats there. Five penalties for the Ottawa Senators. Boy, you go one for five and lose by two. That leaves a lot of questions at the end of the day. 31 penalty minutes for Buffalo. 27 for the Ottawa Senators. A lot of penalty, a lot of action. Uh, Tage Thompson got a couple of penalties. Brady Kachuk on there as well. Uh, A little bit of feistiness happened at the um, Alex Tuck. Interfered against Brady Kachuk. Then an instigation, then they fight. Brady Kachuk gets a misconduct. Uh, Kachuk getting thrown out of the game for fighting. It's not the most surprising thing. Uh, then Vladimir Tarasenko and Dylan Cousins come together at 17:23 for some roughing after uh, Cousins slashed Tarasenko. Uh, those two would get 
A couple of roughing penalties there. Dylan Cousins actually gets misconduct out of the whole thing as well. Uh, a little bit of feistiness there. Uh, stats outside of that, tw- uh, 15 or 16-15 hits for Ottawa in that category. Blocks 16-9 as the Buffalo Sabres win that category and win the game again despite being outshot by 14. Game three of the Frozen Frenzy going in the order of which uh, these were started. The Lightning, another team that was the one that shot less, uh, knock off the Hurricanes in shutout fashion, a goal a period as they were outshot 32-23. Doesn't matter. Lightning get the win. It was point in uh, the first as well as Paul in the third. Barra Bowlett, if I'm pronouncing that right, in the second on a tip-in. Uh, this one... Pretty balanced outside of a strong third period from uh, the Hurricanes. 12-8 Tampa in the first, 11-6 and 13-5 in the second and third, respectively, for the Hurricanes. Uh, Some penalties again in this game as uh, the two teams, some roughing calls in there as well. Another misconduct. Uh, Braden Lemieux picked that up for the Hurricanes. Uh, other stat lines in the 3-0 win for the Lightning. The teams are bad on the power play in this one. Uh, combined for 1-4-8. For 0-4 oh, for the Hurricanes. 1-4 for four for Tampa. Uh, penalty minutes skewed pretty heavily. 37 penalty minutes uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. 17 for the Lightning. And you look a lot of that. There was two misconducts against the Hurricanes late in the game. Some frustration, I'm sure. A couple of fighting uh, calls in there as well. Roughing as uh, the uh, two teams really mixed it up. Two of the teams you kind of expect on the eastern side to be pretty good. Uh, blocks 17-6. Lightning dominate that category. Hits were even as the Lightning win that game a 3 to nothing. So three games of our 16 we're talking about. The fourth one, my Devils were in action against the Montreal Canadiens where the first team to outshoot and win 34-29 on shots. This game was slow to start with for the Devils. It takes a long time. Uh, Barron would score in four or just under six minutes. And then the Devils finally get her going. It was Holtz, his first of the season on a backhand. Play really set up nicely by Timo Meyer and Dougie Hamilton made it 1-1. On to the second they go, and this is where Tyler Toffoli, a name we're going to be talking about a lot in this matchup, set up shop. He gets the only second period goal, and it was late. Under two minutes to go, made it 2-1 going to the third period, and then it was Nico Heeshear, the captain, getting one after it was called off. He had one called off earlier uh, in the match for goalie interference, uh, set up by Hughes and Bratt as uh, Tyler Toffoli would follow that up about seven minutes later with one of his own on a power play goal. Should be noted, Heeshears was too, as Matheson off of the Caulfield assist would get it back for two. Toffoli, empty netter late in the game, and that would make it 5-2 and give Toffoli his fourth goal of the season, third in the game. He had a hat trick as uh, the players in order of the three stars of the game. Toffoli probably should have been the first star, but 
Jack Hughes gets it. He had four assists. Pretty doggone good game from him. Foley with the hat trick, and then Barron with his goal was the third star of the game. Um, a little, not any huge penalties. Eric Halla took a bad one late in the game as a uh, uh, puck over glass delay a game. Uh, Jack Eye was called for a holding against Curtis Lazar. John Marino with a roughing call. And uh, Kovacevic, easy for me to say, tripped in the first. Brendan Smith had interference. Uh, Kevin Ball interference. Jake Evans roughing and Justin Barron cross-checking. Curtis Lazar was two of the penalties were called for things that uh, happened against him. Other stat lines in the Devils win. Played well from the faceoff, 63% from the faceoff, outshot the Canadians, 34-29. Two for four on the penalty, or on the power play, I should say. One for four on the penalty where the Canadians, both teams had eight minutes of penalty minutes. The Devils out-hit the Canadians 17-14. 20 blocks for the Canadians compared to just 12 for uh, the Devils. So there you go. There's four of the 16. We're a quarter of the way through as uh, these two teams, uh, as these teams matched up on Frozen Frenzy Tuesday here on this 2-0. It's a weird one there. Uh, Blackhawks with Bedard. Not good. 12 points for them. And then we talked about Vegas. Got out to a blistering start, but since then... So you look at their start. They were 11-0-1. Over their last 10, they're 3-5-2. They have come back to earth in a big way. And the the thing they have going against them right now in their own division, the Kings have three games on them. The Kings are only two points back and have beaten Vegas and have not lost on the road yet, notably as well. They are 8-1-1 in their last 10, including 9-0 on the road. Kings second with 29 points. Vancouver Canucks at 29 points, then the Kraken and the Flames at 21, uh, 18 for the Ducks, uh, 15 for Edmonton, and San Jose has won two in a row. They're now 5-15-2. They're not good, but they're better. Uh, they are now at 12 points. They actually beat the Canucks the other day, so something of note there. So break it down, wild card style for you on the Eastern Conference first top team in the Atlantic is Boston then Florida Detroit Rangers the best team in the Metro so far Carolina Flyers the next two then the Leafs and the Lightning would be the wild card Devils eighth of ten when it comes to that wild card race currently five points uh, make that four points out of the wild card race and 12 points behind the Rangers who have gotten off to a blistering start so what that would mean playoff wise it would be Rangers, Maple Leafs, Lightning Bruins, Panthers Wings, Hurricanes Flyers. Devils, I'm pained to say, would not be in the playoffs if the season ended today. They've got, they've got their work cut out for them, but they do have games in hand against teams. Montreal, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Islanders, to name a few. Uh, so there's some time, and it's only about a quarter of the way through the season. You look at the Western Conference, Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, top three in the Central, Knights, Kings, Canucks, the top three in the Pacific. An interesting one here, Blues, Flames, Kraken would technically be it. Flames 
actually, because of more wins than overtime losses, would leap the uh, Kraken. So here's your playoff matchups. Vegas-Calgary, Colorado-St. Louis, Dallas-Winnipeg, and Vancouver Kings. And boy, that Pacific, similar to the Atlantic on the other side, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Metro right now is just being steamrolled by the Rangers. Uh, You know, it pains me to say it, but nonetheless, that's what's going on there. We look at scores from yesterday being Monday. And... The freeze the puck page on Facebook had to pick him. And, you know, I like to throw my opinion out there. And boy, was I wrong in every facet of the game. There are only six games. So how many games can you get wrong? Well, let me tell you something. My winners were Boston, Rangers, Florida, Tampa Bay, Vegas, Sharks. (laughs) Two, Two of those are actual winners. Columbus shocks everybody and beats the Bruins. Not by a little bit, by a lot, 5-2. Sabres rear up and thump the Rangers in a final of 5-1. Panthers thump the Senators. As it turns out, in more way than one, that's a 5-0 winner there for Florida. Get a load of this score sheet, though. Penalty minutes in this game. So we look at the box score of this game. How about this stat line for you? Penalty minutes in. 84 for Ottawa, 83 for the Panthers. A combined 13 power plays. The teams go three for 13. Florida scoring three power play goals. One in the first uh, goal line score, at least. Uh, Reinhardt got two, both power play goals. Sam Bennett got one, a power play goal. Losterainen got one, and Verhage both were uh, regular uh, five-on-five goals or four-on-four uh, here's here's the synopsis of this game first period just a regular tripping high sticking double minor against sam reinhardt then you go to the second a tripping an interference a delay of game matthew kachuk because of course he gets a penalty uh got an unsportsmanlike and a roughing uh travis hammock got a roughing against kachuk and then we go to the third period So you think to yourself, oh, everything's calm. That's about to change. There's a match penalty against Zach McEwen against Matthew Kachuk. Uh, Lundell has a tripping. Bennett has a hand closing on the puck. And then this is where another unsportsmanlike against Matthew Kachuk. He gets a fighting with Jake Sanderson, who in turn gets a fighting with Kachuk. Brady Kachuk then gets three penalties. He gets a cross check and comes in for eight seconds before roughing against Lomberg, goalie interference against him, and then the misconducts. All ten players on the ice, that being uh, the five for the Senators, including Kachuk, uh, Harmonic, Batherson, get misconducts. <laughs> Jonah Gadovich gets a roughing against Kachuk. Then all the Panthers get a misconduct. Literally everybody on the ice that wasn't the goalies, all 10 players got misconducts. Not something you see all that often. The benches had, I think, seven, eight players left on both sides. Five nothing. The game was pretty much over by that point. But 83 penalty minutes for the Panthers, 84 for the Senators. 
Yeah, I think it's the first time a lot of people have seen all 10 players on the ice at the same time get a game misconduct. But it happened last night. Other scores, Avalanche get it done. Johansson scores a couple in the win against the Lightning. As uh, In the other game that was a fair surprise, William Carlson is the only offense. We'll talk about Vegas a little more here in a second, but Vegas' offense has evaporated in the last two weeks. Flames, 2-1 overtime winner. Sharks, Fabian Zetterlin, the former devil, gets one. Uh, as he uh, helps the Sharks win 2-1 against the Capitals. Capitals are a team that's been kind of dodgy here and there. Two former Devils. Mackenzie Blackwood also with the uh, only letting one goal by was the third star last night. Zetterlin, the second star in the matchup. So we'll talk about Vegas, and we will talk about the Devils. One of these teams will be marginally more fun to talk about because the Devils have had a hell of a time figuring out wins. But first, we'll go over the Devils, who in their most recent game prior to the game tonight, which the puck just dropped moments ago in, the Devils beat the Sabres 7-2. Nico Heischer comes back, the captain. Here's the games before that. The Devils in the games before that had won one of their previous seven including losses to the Blue Jackets and the Red Wings, which are two of the worst games I've seen them play in a long time. They uh, lose a close one against the Rangers. They beat the Penguins before getting thumped by the the Jets, the Capitals, and the Avalanche in succession. Notably, they lost the, uh, not the captain, but one of the big players, Jack Hughes, in the game in St. Louis that I actually went to. He crashed in the boards about three rows in front of me, so... Things you hate to see. Devils were able to get that win against the Blackhawks, but after that Blackhawks win, they have been two of their last eight, if my quick math is correct, and it is. Two for their last eight. They go against the Islanders coming up. Islanders, Flyers, Sharks, Canucks, Kraken, Flames, and Oilers, their next six games, make that seven games. And then they get the big old Bruins December the 13th. And, uh, yeah, they don't play Florida, Knicks team, or Vegas, RC's team, until 2024 as uh, the Devils will host the Golden Knights first. But that's uh, about two, about a month and a half away, give or take, uh, on that. So then we go to Vegas, who started the year blistering, by the way. That was, I mean, when they took it to Colorado when they were 11-0-1, they looked unbeatable. But as any team is, eventually they cooled off. And since then, 3-5-2, and two, they've lost five times. They got thumped by the Ducks. They got thumped by the Kings. They come back and beat the Sharks. But since that Sharks win, they have won just twice. They come back to beat the Canadiens, who were feisty as all get out in that game. They get shut out by the Capitals. The Flyers beat them in overtime. And then they get shut out two of the next three games, losing to the Penguins via shutout, losing to the Coyotes via shutout, uh, an overtime winner against the Stars, and an overtime loser against the Flames. So you look at their last, say, well, four games, they've only scored three times, and then they had a big output game. If you set aside their six goals, they scored against the Canadiens. And uh, go back to the uh, Capitals game, they have scored a combined six goals, 
in uh, those six games. So offense has slowed down. They got a big one tonight against the Oilers, who have been bad at best. Then the Canucks. That may be the more interesting game this week on a Thursday. Then they're at home against the Capitals and Blues before hitting the road for a bit of a Midwest tour. Taking on St. Louis and Dallas, if you want to call Dallas the Midwest. Then back at home against the Sharks and the Flames. Gets them to December the 12th as uh, RC heads south. Middle of uh, the week, December 6th, to to see his Golden Knights take on uh, the St. Louis Blues. So now we switch gears completely. Once again, you're listening to The Covert Show. Episode number 72, JC here with you as uh, flying solo, drinking a bud, and talking some sports on this Tuesday night. We'll talk some NAIA volleyball. We'll get into NAIA football coming up as well. And we'll also try to keep tabs on the old Devils game because, well, hopefully the Devils uh, keep playing well. RC is just randomly uh, interjecting. I was going to say. Georgia 64, what, what, Kentucky you said 60. You said 69. No. Nice. Oh, no. <laughs> Top you can shelf. hear in the background. Oh my! Top shelf. Yes, sir. Get North it done, Carolina RC. or North Carolina, South Dakota State beats North Dakota State's ninety-four to sixty-three, and uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Illinois beats Northwestern eighty-five seventy-nine. So we talked some college basketball, talked some college football, talked some. NHL and well we had to talk about it at some point yes we it's did. probably you know you see catastrophic injuries from time to time Theismann's broken leg Alex Kevin uh, Ware Alex <laughs> yeah uh, so but we saw something that nobody hopes we'll ever see again on Monday night football in what was supposed to be a game that um, was going to be the game was going to be the game of the year. Let's be honest. I think that had a chance to be the game of the year. Uh, Bills and Bengals, a, uh, a scary scene as uh, DeMar Hamlin goes down Needs nine minutes of CPR to be resuscitated on the field. Uh, A couple of notes to pass along with that. Uh, The league has decided that game's canceled. They're working on an intriguing scenario for playoffs, and DeMar Hamlin has been uh, able to not uh, verbally respond, but he has been getting some movement back. So pretty much nothing but good news uh, from the doctors and the whole uh, medical situation that he is in currently. Well, and I mean, here's the good thing. So one, obviously nobody wants to see this happen. And I mean, this is one of the most freak accidents that could ever happen in football, because I mean, if you look down to the science behind it to get your heart stopped on a hit, it has to be the exact moment of when your heart basically kind of stops as it takes a beat. And, and it, it has, has to be, be the exact with, right spot to hit it to. Yes, and the right amount of force. So, I mean, 
the most freak accident happened, and it was a football hit. Nothing about it was dirty. Nothing about it was was hard. Like it was obviously. I mean, yeah, the part it, of the frustrating thing with this is everybody. I wouldn't say everybody, but the notable one that I saw was Bart Scott tries to blame it on T. Higgins. Dude, I I'm feel sorry. So... In a in oh. a in a, uh, in a week of awful takes, from Skip Bayless tweeting Ugh. to Skip Bayless on the show when Shannon Sharp comes back after taking a day, and I I can't blame Shannon Sharp for taking a day as a former player to you know oh, yeah. digest what had happened and. Skip Bayless not even being able to let uh, old old Shannon Sharp have his monologue at the beginning of uh, the show. That take from Bart Scott has to be one of the worst of all time, that this is T. Higgins' fault. Like you said, it had nothing. I mean, it's a freak accident that has nothing really to do. T. Higgins just happens to be the one that makes contact. Oh yeah, and, and I mean, well, sorry. Go keep going. It blows my mind that you can go on and say that. I mean, yeah, part of me thinks for Bart Scott, it's just the shock value he's going for. Yeah, and I think part of me wants that to be it. But if that's your honest opinion, I, it wouldn't have mattered who hit. Like you said, it has to be the right spot. It has to be the right microsecond. So, like it, it has. Yeah, to be it was a week. That... It was just. It's been a week of bad takes and people acting like idiots around this. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it shows where everybody's at society-wise when this happens and people's first take is, "What about the playoffs? What about this yeah. game?" I, I, you're aware of <laughs> my frustration with the NFL. It didn't yes. get any better. How in the hell did it take you 65 minutes to figure out we should postpone this game? At the time, postpone, eventually cancel. How did it take you 65 minutes? And the NFL's Players Association goes on damage control that following day because they had given the players and coaches five minutes a five-minute warm-up period before sending him back out before the two coaches came together and said, screw that. We're not doing that. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing to me is you take a look at this this game, and yes, I understand that it has a lot of playoff stuff riding on the line. Like, I, I got that. Because, I mean, that was my question, too. It was after the fact of, okay, what the hell just happened? Like, how the hell did this happen? And making sure everybody was okay and everything like that. But, yes, the question does sit in the back of the mind, okay, what happens with the playoffs? But you can't take a look at a playoff picture when some man pretty much just about died on the the field. Died on the field and been resuscitated back. Here's the thing. I understand the NFL is a business. I understand it, it makes more money than 500 people will see in their life. More than that, but just for this. I just don't understand how it took 65 minutes to postpone a game. You've postponed a game for less than this. Oh, yeah. This I mean, is the it, worst it should have been a no-brainer. This is the worst injury you've seen. And then Roger Goodell coming out at that 65-minute point and patting himself on the back. The only reason this game got postponed is because the two coaches came together and said, well, you know what Sean McDermott said where he's 
I've got to be in the hospital with my guy. Oh, yeah. The only and- if, if the NFL had their way, that game would have been picked up probably 15, 20 minutes after they give them a five-minute warm-up period and go, which is nuts. Well, and the second best thing about it was the game got canceled. And, yes, everybody's saying, well, okay, playoffs. It's like, no, fuck the playoffs at this point. You yeah. have and you don't you even have the ha- most. I, I was perfectly fine with them postponing it because you oh, just, yeah. this is an unprecedented situation. But the fact it took you 65 minutes to go, okay. And then eventually it wasn't even the NFL's decision. And then the NFL Players Association tries to loop back and pretend that five minute, you know, warm up period wasn't given as the NFL is trying to get this game going. They literally said it on the broadcast. So you could pretend it didn't happen, but everybody watching knows it happened. Oh yeah. So and you can you can see it happening on the broadcast. I mean, they were the refs were meeting and everything, trying to figure out what the hell to do, and just trying to figure out this whole entire situation. Which yes, there needed to be time to be taken to figure that out. Sixty-five minutes not does not 65 need to be sixty-five minutes. You, no. you could have had and, it figured out in about a quarter of the time. Oh yeah, and, and also, this is one of those. I don't care if you were. Him and hawing about it. This is one of the, th- this is a knock on wood. It never happens again situation. But it's a freak accident. Oh, yeah. The worst you've, I th- I would can comfortably say the worst the NFL's seen in its existence. Yeah. Air and, on the side of caution. Don't let the, one, the don't let the internet get going like they did. To where yeah. everybody's like, what are we doing? Why if, why are we waiting this long? Air on the side of caution, you should have been done in about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes and said, all right, we're just going to postpone it for the rest of, to to push it back and give ourselves a chance to try to, you know, A, make sure this guy is okay and at least trending in the right direction. You know, you knew it wasn't going to be an overnight flip the switch and everything was fine, but make sure he's like trending in the right direction and And then worry about it. Yeah. And also, the biggest thing was, is granted, yes, this needed to happen, because, I mean, this is such a freak thing. But shout out to the Cincinnati Bengals fans, because, I mean, they were so supportive of it, clapping the entire Bills organization off the field and doing everything that they did, having the vigil outside of the hospital and doing everything in their power to make sure that they knew that Hamlin was a part of them at this point. Like it, it was, it was everything bigger than football. Like football didn't matter at this point. And if you're going to try to blame T Higgins for that, then freaking shame on you. you uh, I mean, that, you know, we were talking about a Monday or Tuesday about the, the skip Bayless thing. And the, the tweets oh, yes. bad enough. Then you go on the show, and, and, and Shannon Sharp, I mean, the guy has shown immense restraint at times with Skip Bayless because, oh. you know, I, I shared the clip with you, and we talked about it. Of There's a point, and we've talked about it on this show, where when you're doing a show with somebody, you'll inadvertently collide with each other. It's, it's, oh, yeah. It's, what it, it's how it is. But there is a certain abrasiveness I think would be the right way to put it with Skip Bayless that you don't even Colin Cowherd doesn't even do it yeah there's just a certain abrasiveness where Skip Bayless and he I don't know like I said Shannon Sharp has shown great restraint and even more so 
uh, for the last show they did uh, with that clip of, boy, it's hard. It's got to be hard for Shannon Sharp not to want to just come across the table because <laughs> there's certain things that Skip Bayless has done and said and interactions where, you know, he – tells shannon sharp that he's nothing compared to tom brady and all this it's it's got to be hard just to not come unglued and i think that ruined the show if i can be completely honest i think that ruined whatever friendship you know brotherhood i mean you know we've you and i've called games together there's a certain you know a brotherhood if you will that comes with that territory of doing a show together calling games together that's it's a it's a respect thing it's a respect thing Absolutely. And Skip Bayless managed to ruin that with the Tom Brady comment, and it's just doubled down and made it worse. I'm oh, shocked yeah. Fox hasn't fired him to a certain degree. Granted, he'll oh, land somewhere else, but yeah, him defending his tweet, I don't know, man. There's a certain point where you just got to acknowledge that you made a mistake, and it's yeah. not worth doubling down on, and. You would have thought it would have been there, but clearly it was not. So there you go. But that's all yeah. I've got to say on NFL. I mean, I uh, I don't know. I think we just skipped the standings this week, and uh, yeah, as uh, this uh, thirty of eighty-two have been played by the Golden Knights, and then just for fun, uh, the Florida Panthers third in the East, Devils eleventh. Vegas number one in the West. And then as it pertains to the league, the Golden Knights, 45 points. games. This fancy modern. Yeah. What are we playing? So we've got some, oh boy, Nick's got to fix his ISO here. Hold the phone. This is bright. We got some good old Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. We've got some Warzone dropping in. And we're getting I can see the boys are dropping in. Also, shout out to Code Red as the first ice-cold beverage crack of 2023. I was going to say, shout-out to the good old Bush Latte. That's what Nick's got cracked open here. So we're a rock and rolling here. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, – <laughs> there he goes. There's the, the Army man himself. Oh, boy, where are we, we dropping? We got Mr. Never Lost and Tricky Nick getting after it. <laughs> Oh, Let me tell gosh. you something. Mr. Nevelost is maybe the greatest gaming name of all time. And it's even better paired with the fact that old RC here gets like on the high end, he's gotten a third, but a lot of times it's like 92nd, 115th. Oh, it's it's pretty good. Warzone, Warzone for Nick is definitely one of those hard ones. Cause, I mean, I love playing Warzone, but it's just now I feel like there's so many freaking just sweats on it. I mean, it's tough. So RC is parachuting his way in, it looks like. We are both parachuting our way in at this point. This is going to be big. You might hear RC, i.e. Mr. Nevelost, Mr. 515. You might get old Tricky Nick, or will Nick be too tricky for Mr. Nevelost? I don't know. I overshot my building here. Hold on. Can I hit the zip line? No, I can't. Ah, ah, ah. That's the funny part, too, is uh, old RC has a tendency to not land where he wants either. Apparently, I'm being hunted at the moment. RC saying stuff I can't hear because I got my headphones on. Now I got an ear popped out. What was that? Oh, boy. I literally marked where I wanted, but I'm 
<laughs> I went to the truck. Wow, he's big oh, mad no. about uh, something about marking a truck. Now he's running in a trolley. He is. Oh, here we go. oh, here we go. First action, baby. Oh, That's wait. Me, dude. Damn it. <laughs> I thought he was going to get a kill. Shows how little I know about what's going on. Oh, so you guys are on a my. team right now. We're a duo. Uh, we got to win. Yeah. See, so, I thought it was also, the free-for-all where you're killing each other. Nope. Well, it's a free-for-all when you actually get in and face other people. But so far, we haven't seen jack squat. So, but your boy got a rifle. We're rolling. Also, shout-out to I mean, Jolly Rancher Candy. Not a sponsor ooh. of the show, but it could be a solid green apple candy is what I am enjoying while watching this spectacle again you know we like to change the way our episodes are we're doing it again we're adapting and changing it and you'll see uh some gaming content rc's recording some nick's doing something <laughs> we're trying to record nick's trying to record with his camera like his actual camera he's got it currently on his face at the moment so i mean it's <laughs> We're, we're working as we can. We're trying to do the best that we can because we haven't figured all this out yet to try to get. Oh, something. I, someone's I being, know hunted. being hunted, buddy. Oh, no. That's not good. I'm not really sure what that means, but it sounds bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. It means I've got a bounty on my head. Oh, you hate to see it. But um, Yeah, we do. But what, what else do we got going here, boys? I mean, it's, it's been a hot minute since all three of us have fully been on the show like. I don't even know the last time all three of us were on the show. Ooh, that's uh, it's been a hot minute. I think you gotta go. Well, let's pull it up while we're, you know, we're watching old RC, i.e. Mister Nevelost, i.e. Mister Five One Five, and Tricky Nick are doing their thing. Wow. Well, I tell you what, this oh, is a, this is I gonna be a some, fancy, fancy episode. RC, somebody spotted somebody spotted my ass. Somebody spotted old Tricky Nick. Ooh, not so excellent, Mr. Squidward. I don't I don't know where they at. I don't either, big dog. <laughs> this is so so weird trying to do a podcast and game at the same time, because I mean what so, there there has been a lot going on and a lot that's been happening in the good old sports world. And by sports world I mean the NFL. And so by the to NFL, go back I mean, to one of your questions to interject here. All right. RC's last episode was number 32, August 4th. Oh, Terry just about got God over there. Something about the tower. (laughs) Oh, boy. Can you mark them? Oh, the suspense. The greatest six minutes of a podcast here. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know how we can try to talk about anything. Ah. Oh, there goes Terry. He's going to get God. Whoa, he's running through you. Oh, man. So RC's last episode was episode 30. Is that what you said? 32. You're going to get got there, George. I hit him. I hit oh, Nick says he hit him. I got a hit marker here, boys. Oh, he's dropping down, though, boy. No, oh, there's two of them. They're coming, coming to get down. You. I thought I had a couple of shots, and I missed the snipe. <laughs> Terry I'm go- was missing. I'm going up. We're going to try this here. Oh, I'm going up. Going up the ladder with some gyrations all the way up there. Oh, my goodness. I don't know where they dropped that. 
did they drop on? Well, let's toss a snapshot data. Oh, that didn't make it up there. <laughs> that that ethically failed. <laughs> You're gonna wind up blowing each other up. Oh, he's up there. Oh, I missed. I missed the shot. I missed the shot. Help, Terry! Help, Terry! I'm dead. I gotta oh, go to the you gulag. Got, you both got got. Wow. He got this both just, of you. Okay, so this oh, just comes to that show that you embarrassing. cannot playing COD and trying to do a podcast. Embar- hard, oh, folks. here comes the excuses that you're playing playing video playing. games and being on a podcast is why you suck. I don't think so, buddy. Playing COD, it's not why I suck. It's just suck at Warzone to begin with, folks. I mean, it's it's tough, folks. But yeah, so here's here's the good old. Not able to speak, but we were able to watch some of the Jets and the Golden Knights play. And granted, the first period, it was it was tough. A lot of shots on goal for the Knights um, and for the Jets as well. But, I mean, the referee calls to me in that game, and even Kenny and Dr. Jack was talking about it, they were very ticky-tack calls. I mean, it was – they weren't able to, to really play much. I mean, there were a couple um, – I believe there were two slashing penalties that were definitely – very callable, but otherwise, I mean, I think it was pretty, pretty soft for the first for the first period. But after that, it was no score, and then all of a sudden, Winnipeg just took over in game one. RC thoughts? Question mark. They messed up the line. Cassidy put Mark Stone on Eichel's line. You shouldn't have done that, especially just getting back from double back surgery, dude. The chemistry wasn't there. And if you watch Mark Stone, like, skate last night, dude, he was so stiff looking. He was slow, stiff, just didn't look like he should have been starting. I think Marsh, Marsh Assault should have been on that line starting, especially with the chemistry that they had going into the playoffs. That line was your hottest line, and then you went and messed it up and put the captain back in and then killed the chemistry in that line. So hopefully they fixed that. Well, and as we get into this development, before we talk about it more, Nick just made a kid quit on MLB The Show in the second inning. So, in the third period, looking like absolute crap while doing Oh, 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 we kept it out. Get rid of the puck, what are you doing? Come on. It was a... It was a one-run game with a double going into the gap, and I have four hits on this kid, and he's only got one. So Nick able to get a get a win early. But, I mean, still, like you were talking about, you have a guy who he was out for how many games for the entirety of the season? He went out in December and then came back last night for his first game. I'm sorry. This guy may be, like, really talented at what he's doing and a good leader, but, dude, That's... starting him – Fresh off a double back surgery, first game back in and playoff. I don't think that's the correct move. It's and it sure showed on that line. I was gonna say it's not where it's at because I mean you you can even see as it goes. Playoff hockey is totally different, and playoff sports in any any facet of the game, it's faster. It's a little bit more competitive. So if you're not conditioned well enough and you're not there, I mean, like you said, he was skating pretty stiff. I mean, he got taken out after the first few minutes of the the first period and he was puffing like he was huffing for air and it was just it was kind of a little bit sad to watch but at the same time like you said you can't have that chemistry get mixed up and that god so rc what is your conspiracy theory here i am only 
Hey, man, Walmart does something to their brand of lettuce. Because I bought this bag of lettuce yesterday, and it's already turning brown and disgusting compared to every other, like, grocery store where you get, like, I don't know, like, at least two days of, like, decent lettuce before it starts to go bad. Dude, I opened this, like, I don't know, maybe 20 hours ago, and it's already getting the slimy, gross feeling. What's the kill day on it, though? No, I want to save my Nico Dodge. Have you stuck it in your have you stuck it in your fridge? Yeah. Why would I put it in my fridge? I just saying how come it's all moldy and gross? Uh Mick asking the tremendously important (laughs) question. Have you like just not properly taken care of this? (laughs) Right. We're not gonna get to know the 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 expiration date. Because that's the corner of the bag I cut off. Oh, how convenient. It's probably old-ass lettuce. That's where I'm going. What a hit. I don't know. Good night, sweet prince. Holy Moses. Also, last night, I was listening to the hockey game, walking through Walmart. (laughs) Ring out the front. Oh, I can't get it to go. When we scored, I had my earbuds in, kind of cheered, in the aisle. And, of course, that's the aisle where all the people are shopping. So, yeah, I got hella embarrassed. I hit this ball on the screws straight to the first baseman. Like, just cracked it open, put it down, hit it right to the first baseman. Do you know how disappointing that is? Rafael Devers, that ball's going to bounce off the glove. And we're safe. That's disappointing. Uh, That is incredibly disappointing. Ronald Acuna Jr., we need you, buddy. Oh, Acuna. Big, big fly. Big, big fly. You bet. 16-15. So, like I said before, we'll take a pause here as we kind of go through the rest of the standings here. Uh, Oakland moving. That's tough for Oakland fans because they've been sitting at the Coliseum, and I saw a clip, I think it was back in like 2015 or 16, one of the last times the A's were in the playoffs, which wasn't that far. It wasn't that long ago. The Coliseum was sold out, and now they can't even get people to go to the damn games. And this still begs the question, how do you have teams that get this bad? Like, where does it start? Where does it go? I I just, I don't get it sometimes. You got so much talent in the farm system, you can't pull it up. I understand that salary caps are a big thing. I understand that you may not have the talent that everybody else does and the money to buy it. But still, you've got enough talent there. You can't put together a winning team. The money ball process was the biggest thing for you guys, and now you guys... You need another one. You need a rebuild. Can it happen again? I don't know. I would literally go in, haven't been in the class all week, took the test, and would walk out. Yep. There were some days I would, if I woke up early, I would go get breakfast, walk with Nick to the classroom, and there was actually a 7 a.m. class before us that you, and I would peek in the door and go, oh, I know that, and then I would go back to bed. It it is, it is true. I can't. I cannot say anything against it. It's currently true. Like it all is. That was. I I will never forget the one time he gave me like a nine out of ten on a quiz because we were going over rational and irrational numbers, and he said one third was a rational number, and I actually went into his office and said, "Please explain to me how one third is rational." And to 
for all the people who don't know. It's not. Rational means it ends. Irrational means it doesn't end. So one-third is point three 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 repeating, and he said that was a he said that was a rational number. Okay, so and here, I went into his and here's the thing: I went into his office, and he sits there and he goes, "Oh, well, if you multiply by this, and then divide by this, and then times this, it's rational." And I went, and I said, "I go, yeah." And if I add two thirds to it, it's right. It's one. What are we talking about here? <laughs> so hold on, I have to point this out, and it's sad that I don't have my camera because. Uh, some dumbass dropped it, and by some dumbass I mean me accidentally. So I have to go get it sent in. But we are not known for math on this podcast, and this boy is just sitting off here rattling a full conversation of rational numbers and all this shit. Our viewers are like, "Who the freaking hell did y'all get on this show?" <laughs> <laughs> man is sitting here going I went into his office and I'm explaining to a math professor in college and by the way his name was fucking Nasser alright that's what his name was <laughs> if anybody of his family is listening to this show true G of a math teacher yeah but... I tell him one third is not a fucking rational number <laughs> I still want that point back I never got it back <laughs> Seiya Suzuki's here again. He's back off his injury. Christopher Morell is back off of his injury. He's now doing pretty good. You've got Matt Mervis, just to name a few, on that Cubs lineup. Um, you got Amaya, Miguel Amaya, who's back behind the dish. So, I mean, there's a lot of good young talent coming up for a lot of these teams. And it's definitely showing in some places. And for the Cubs, it might not be showing as much. But for Baltimore, it's it's showing out in a good way. Yeah, I mean, you're telling me my whole entire division is stacked. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously. Um, you know, Tampa is off to a blazing start. I'll say the same thing I did about New York last year. They'll fizzle out at some point. Oh, yeah. And they but fizzled the out hard is, last just year. Like New York, just like New York, they're going to have such a big lead on the division, it won't matter. They'll still win the division. Unless Baltimore sticks with them. They're kind of there at four games back. But you look at New York, Toronto, Baltimore, Tampa, and even Boston. I don't buy Boston. And I'll explain why I'm not worried about Toronto being nine and a half games back uh, here in a minute. But you look at Tampa. Obviously, 40 and 18, 26 and 6 at home. That's stupid. It, very Baltimore, stupid who has been really good on the road. New York, who we all just kind of shrug and go, 10 games over 500 sounds about right. Yep. And then you have the Blue Jays and Boston, which are a game apart. Toronto hasn't figured it out, kind of. <laughs> kind of. And the reason I say kind of, before everybody starts jumping down my throat of being biased, here's the thing. Listen to the schedule. So – after the Atlanta game, flashing back, I got to figure out the record. Toronto was twenty-four and sixteen. Not After bad. that stretch, twenty-four and sixteen, they were—I want to say third in the division, second doesn't matter. After that stretch, four against the Yankees, we win one. 
three against Baltimore, we lose them all. Four against Tampa, we win one twenty to one. Two and nine. After the Tampa game, our nice shiny twenty four and sixteen turns into twenty six and twenty five. That's a rough one. And like twenty twenty. Yes. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Like, was I happy in the moment the Blue Jays made it? Sure. Oh, yeah. But unless you made, like, a, a run to the title or a run to the ALCS, eh. You were out, yeah. Because you don't have to be that good. Cincinnati was only one game above 500. I think the Blue Jays only won 35, 36 games that year. Well, and that so, that is kind of the weird factor. Is like, you take a look at how the COVID year really affected sports. It, it affected a lot of teams. Everybody was just happy to be watching sports. I mean, the Blue oh, Jays yeah. didn't play a home game in Toronto the entire year. They were playing in Buffalo yeah. in their AAA affiliate stadium the whole year. So, Which, honestly, think of this, though. Your AAA affiliate is hosting your – It's you're hosting the next level up. Like, you were hosting that the entire year because minor league was non-existent. Well, the Blue Jays – being in Canada, they weren't allowed to travel back and forth. Johnny so Damon. To land in Buffalo. Walk off in the 10th. Bomb. Six. Is that a dub? Four. W. Holy cow. Johnny dub. Damon crushed dub. up dub. on this ball. Dub. 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 Oh, my goodness. You would love to hear it. I don't think we hear a lot of dubs from you on MLB The Show on here. I could be wrong, but hey. that, feels like, the first, that feels like the first one in a while, man. <laughs> Granted, it's been two months so I'm, <laughs> last show, but I'm, I'm getting ready like to mark this down. I'm going to cut that <laughs> one first. That was too funny. I, Holy shit. I mean, shit. I could be wrong. I oh my wrong. gosh. No, but I've had a couple. I've had a couple. The bad thing is, though, now sometimes... Now track down the episode to figure out which one he actually wanted. We're going to have to go a long way on that. Like, I, I really don't know, like, where, like, how many games were there. So, let's see. Let's go through the box score yeah, I... here for, for good old Nick. We had one run in the second, five, or uh, one run in the fifth, one run in the sixth, gave up three in the sixth. Seventh inning, we had one. Eighth, we gave up one. And then we had two gone in the tenth. I had six runs on six hits. Only one hit was not a bomb. And that was close. It didn't clear the top of the wall. It hit off the top of the wall with Lou Brock. It's interesting. I would at least like to, and we started off a new game, and there's a home run in the first with two outs. I'm just, okay, this game... If I don't break, well, we haven't heard a control. We haven't heard a loud thump in the background, so we know the controller is safe for now. I was gonna say, if a controller doesn't get snapped in half here, then it's a good day. Hopefully, uh, the camera catches it if you do, because that would be great for the gram. If it does, I would laugh so hard. But I, I have never, I've come close to trying to snap a controller. I have never snapped a controller, so we're good. Hopefully. Maybe. We'll see. Huh. But, I mean, still, as... Oh, Lou Brock. That's going to start off with a base knock. We love that. Good good start. No, 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 no. I didn't mean to accidentally try to go to second. I just meant around the bag hard. Good Lord, I'm trying to give this game away. 
Um, but as we kind of go through and look at the rest of the standings for the National League, if you're looking in your east, the Braves are standing at first, Phillies second, Marlins, Mets, Nationals to follow. We are not making another Nationals pick on this podcast mm-hmm. ever again no. in the history of our days because that was stupid for either team that is down that low. Now, yeah, so you look at them, and I mean, that's the only team right now that has, you know, they're in a playoff spot. I mean, like I said, 12-game lead, you feel pretty good about it. Everybody else, it's open on the NL. You know, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and Chicago are all within three games. Diamondbacks, uh, hold Giants. On, hold on, hold Dodgers. on, hold on. Somebody is, like, making a noise, I think, on the deck upstairs above my apartment. Dude, like, it was literally, like, I couldn't tell what this noise was, and I can't see what's going on. <laughs> but I think they're rattling some shit on the deck. Mayhem? Dude, I'm sorry. It literally was. It was just, like, a bunch of banging up there. Like, I don't know what was going on. Like, it was, they got, like, bikes and stuff up there. Like, I don't know if they were, like, moving them around. <laughs> That was interesting. Why do you have bikes on a balcony? What are they doing up there? Well, they have that. There, there's a lot to explain. With I, I don't know. There, that's just interesting. Okay, well, <laughs> continue. Sorry. <laughs> wow. I mean, I kind of want the backstory of the bikes on the balcony, but that's you know. just where they keep them. They have a garage, and they're not in the garage. That's just where they keep them. I guess. So they just ride their ride their bikes up and down the steps. Yeah. Uh, your apartment complex, tremendously interesting. Green Bay versus Chicago. Here is what I want to discuss. Green Bay is no longer going to be the main team in the NFC North. Everybody knows this. Can Justin Fields actually perform? And can Green Bay get off the daddy train? I mean, seriously, though, that's that's kind of where it lies down to. Can Green Bay, is Green Bay going to be able to bounce back without Aaron Rodgers? Is Jordan Love going to be able to pick it up? Also, is Justin Fields going to be able to carry the Bears to a victory? I have no idea. I think that the Packers are going to end up losing this game. I think that Jordan Love is going to do okay, but I think the Bears are going to pick him apart. I think Justin Fields is going to succeed. I think this year could be incredibly interesting for for both of these teams, honestly. Now, but sports are back. We got baseball in full swing postseason, which everybody, if you don't love postseason baseball or if you're not a, if you're a fan of baseball, even if your team's out, I guarantee you you're sitting in front of a TV watching postseason baseball because you pick out the either the underdog or you pick out the the team that you is kind of your secondary team if they make it in. That's the teams you pick out and then you go. For me, it's the Orioles. Sorry, JC. I want the Orioles to win. I've been high on this team all year. I've been high on them since we started the podcast at the beginning of the year, saying that this could be a different Orioles team, how they picked it up last year. So I got the Orioles this year. That's my dog team. I rooted for the Braves when they made it and won the World Series. I am high on them. (sighs) Sad to say I don't have a National League team anymore with any hopes of getting my vote. So, Florida State is 5. 13 and 0. Won the ACC conference title. A Power 5 team at 13 and 0 is sitting outside of the bubble. 
Then you have the bigger factor here as well. Georgia is sitting outside of the bubble at six. With their one loss being to an Alabama team who won the SEC and is now ahead of Florida State. I have multiple things to say about this, and this is where I'm going to start. College football playoff, you suck so freaking hard. This is ridiculous. You argue all year about the strength of schedule, fine. Alabama has a lot of good ranked wins this year. We'll break them down in a second. Florida State has some key marquee or some big marquee wins here as well. Both won conference titles. But at the same time, this has been the biggest facade I have ever seen in my life in college football. I've seen a lot of stuff go wrong in the rankings when the BCS was still here. But here's the biggest factor. 90% of this deal that just happened was based on the fact that Jordan Travis got hurt and now Florida State is out of quarterback. Florida State doesn't have their star quarterback that was supposed to be a Heisman candidate, Heisman finalist, putting together a fantastic season for the Seminoles. I mean, he was there. He was riding, riding a wave. And then he gets hurt against Northern Alabama, out for the end of the year. CAA and the college football playoff was potentially going to be losing money if Florida State was in. I find that to be pure and total bullshit. Just because you do not have the Crimson Tide in the college football playoff does not mean you're going to lose viewership. You're going to pick up everybody from Tallahassee. You're going to pick up everybody from the state of Florida that's a Seminole fan, and you're still going to get the diehard college football fans that are wanting to see what happens. Plus, you've got Michigan fans over there. You've got Washington. You've got Texas fans that are... all sitting here, raring to go, ready to watch college football. And you're going to tell me that money is going to be the factor. You're going to tell me that a quarterback that got injured. Folks, they beat an SEC team with a third-string quarterback. They beat a tough Louisville team with a third-string quarterback and won their conference. And you're not going to give them a bid. Currently, Florida State is on a 19-game win streak. Longest active winning streak in the FBS goes to Washington at 20, Florida State at 19, Liberty, the Flames at 13, baby. Michigan with a 13-game win streak, and then you drop it down to Alabama with an 11-game. After losing to Texas earlier in the year, and then this is where all the fire gets put back in. This is a tough conversation. There's a lot of this happened, this happened, this happened over the years. So let's break this down for you guys from a fundamental standpoint. Please don't give me a cease and desist on that. So, Alabama's schedule. Middle Tennessee at the beginning of the year, 56-7 blowout. Texas, a loss by 10 points in Tuscaloosa. The Longhorns came out strong. Quinn Ewers and the the Texas defense really held Alabama to a, a very questionable game. Also, Milrow has not been playing good. The majority of the beginning of the season, he did not play good. He has picked it up a little bit in his performances during the last few games, which is good. Alabama's been playing better, but then we'll keep going here. South Florida, you almost lost to South Florida. And by almost lose for Alabama, only winning by 14 points, that's not big to a team like South Florida. 17-3 final there. Win against Ole Miss. That game was in Alabama. Over a 15th-ranked Ole Miss team, 24-10. to Mississippi State, 40-17. and 17. Texas A&M, 26-20. Arkansas, 24-21. to the, the scores got closer. Tennessee, beat by 14th. The ranked Tennessee team at 17, which was a college football playoff ranking. LSU, 
14th ranked team in the country, 42 to 28. That one's in Tuscaloosa as well. Go to Kentucky or go to Kentucky, 49 to 21. And then this is where I still get a lot of flack for it. Everybody hates me for saying this. If you're going to be a top ranked team, and especially if you're going to be a top ranked SEC team that faces a gauntlet that has a powerhouse conference. If you're scheduling Chattanooga in the middle of the season, just get out. Seriously, this is BS. to play good because, I mean, the Pac-12 this year in the last couple of years has been kind of growing steadily, which sucks because it's their last year as a conference, and a lot of people are going to say, well, Nick, the Pac-12 just sucks anyways. I'm sorry you think that. I get it. The Pac-12 has never been a strong conference, but this year, the last two years, they've been dogs. They've been fighting their way through it. You've had Washington. You've had Oregon. You've had Oregon State the last couple of years fighting their way through. Memphis, Iowa State for the Liberty Bowl for all you Cyclone fans out there. That one's coming up at 2.30 on Friday. Missouri, Ohio State, number ninth ranked Missouri, takes on number seven Ohio State. A lot of people are thinking that Missouri is going to get just beat down. (sighs) The talk of the town is there. I get where everybody's going for it. I would like to personally see Missouri win. I'm not a big Buckeye fan at all. Ryan Day in that program, you got a good program. I get it. I like it. Go for it. You do you, folks. I think Ohio State will win. I would like to see Missouri win. That closes out the nightcap game at 7. That is in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. A New Year's Six Bowl, not on New Year's Day. What's up with it? On a Friday. Really? Unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know why I get so angry at it, but I do. The Orange Bowl comes during the same time. Whatever. F it. I don't think I've said an F word on this podcast. Go me. Honestly. So now we get to Monday. We get to January 1st. No New Year's Eve bowl games. Why? Wisconsin takes on LSU in the in the Real Quest Relay Relaya Quest Bowl. Whatever. Wisconsin takes on number 13 LSU. Liberty, number 23, goes up against Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks at number 8 in the country in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. I want the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl back because that was just more fun. But give me Liberty. The Fiesta Bowl is meant for the underdogs. Give me Liberty or give me death. Ha! See what I did there? (laughs) Oh, somebody's going to hate me for that statement. I guess it throws it back all the way to the beginning of the 1760s. Or 1770s. American Constitution. Rocket. In the Rose Bowl. Now here's the way this is going to go. I'm going to go with Michigan. Because I think that this Michigan team with a full healthy Blake Corum. A C.J. McCarthy who is playing with a lot of swagger. And a very good depth of offense for this Michigan team. And Jim Harbaugh. I like Michigan in this game. I really do. Because I think that Justin, uh, Jaden Milrow, excuse me, is going to be a little bit shaky for his first playoff game. He's going to be shaky with the crowd and the situation. This Alabama offense has looked good, okay, this season, but they haven't looked the best that, that Alabama has usually been, and that's where I kind of draw that line. But here's here's the way of the land here. Everybody knows that this game is going to be Alabama wins because that is what everybody wants to see. Because the SEC is king. The SEC is supreme. The SEC rules the NCAA. You know what? Screw you. Give me Michigan over Alabama. I want the Wolverines. And I'm not a Michigan fan at all. But I hate Alabama. 
Number three, Texas versus number two, Washington. I have a little bit of bias in this. I am a Closet Texas fan. And I can't say I'm a Closet Texas fan because I've been a Texas fan since 2005 and Vince Young. I was really little. Call me a bandwagon. I've still been a fan of Texas. Now, you have the college football playoff Sugar Bowl. Three versus two. This is where the, the theory kicks in here, the fan theory. I like Washington in this game. I think Steve Sarkeesian in this Texas offense is fantastic. I think Quinn Ewers is a good quarterback. But I think when you really look at this Washington team, I think that Washington is all around a little bit more of the better team. Obviously, they went undefeated. Texas's only loss was to Oklahoma in the Red River, which is fine. It's still a good Oklahoma team. But I, I really like this Washington team. But here's the kicker. This is the fan theory. Everybody's going for an 9 rematch of Alabama versus Texas. That, let me know what you guys think on that. I personally think that if the NCAA does that somehow, if it if it if that's how it gets to it, honestly, then yes, that's probably two of the best teams in college football. But if you watch that game and calls aren't made, there's going to be a lot of questions. And this Texas team is good. This Texas team is legit. You made it all the way back to a top three spot after everybody saying, we're back, we're back, we're back. Sam Ellinger saying we're back after winning the Sugar Bowl two years ago. Ah, okay. Now you guys have proven that. Now you just have to keep that momentum going. And if you guys lose against Washington, that's a good Washington team to lose to. You lost to the number two team of the country. You lost to a team that is had a Heisman Trophy finalist who should have won the Heisman, in my opinion. You have a team that has just been absolutely playing through a gauntlet of a schedule with the Pac-12. Tell, tell me where Texas is supposed to go wrong if they lose this game and saying they're not back. 